to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found in the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is my co-host, the quixotic and questioning Brent. <laughs> quixotic. What does that mean? Uh, it means, I believe, it's, you know, it's a word. I don't really know what it means. Let me look it up. I just know the word. <laughs> Exceedingly idealistic, unrealistic, and impractical. So perfect. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. You know, I I try to find adjectives that are completely 100% true about you every time I do right. this. Right. It's yes. All about fidelity to, and accuracy. Yeah, we'll have to make a poster with all my names on it. Just oh, endless. there's so many names. Yeah. So many names. Or a t-shirt oh. or something. And actually, this, I want to say, speaking of t-shirts, I want to publicly thank you for buying uh, me and our filmmaker friend a Paz of Glory, Paz of Glory t-shirt. Yes, Kubrick film. yes. Yeah. I haven't bought them yet because they didn't have very many at the theater, but I did go, I went to the Redford Theater yesterday to watch Paths of Glory, 1957, oh, cool. Kirk Douglas, uh, directed by one of Kubrick's first movies. Mm-hmm. And really good, incredibly good. It's I think it's only the second time I've seen it. Yeah. Just really good movie. And they had these, they always have t-shirts for the movies, and I've never been really attracted to them until I saw the Paths of Glory shirt, which I got. Did they sell the 2001 t-shirt? I don't remember if they did. They might have. Huh. I might have to look into that, because they have all the old ones, too. They've got a bunch of t-shirts. Oh, yeah, probably the um, Hitchcock. Didn't so, you go see a Hitchcock movie there, too? Yes, I've seen a few there. So I think there yeah. we saw North by Northwest, I right. want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. I really so. want to, when I come visit you, I got to check out that theater. It looks really cool. I love that. Yeah, we got really a few good theaters. Uh, Redford Theater and the Senate are the two nice. main ones that we go to. And then right around the block, we have Cinema Detroit. Just lots of good movie opportunities here in beautiful Detroit. You know what other opportunities we have here? We have church opportunities. (laughs) I was wondering Uh, if we could segue into that. uh, (laughs) Oh, we, I, this is possibly, so my mom listens to this podcast and I know she will correct me if this is false. Possibly the first time in my entire life I have gone to mass two Sundays in a row. Wow. That might be true. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. But two different masses though, so different yeah, they were different masses, not in the same building. A much more beautiful building. I was telling Brent uh, before we recorded a much more boring <laughs> mass <laughs> where it's this beautiful building but the echo is so bad that you just can't hear anything. And so you can't really <laughs> join in on the hymns. The homily was really boring. Actually, the homily at the previous one was kind of interesting. It was about radical acceptance. It was hard to hear it without thinking about perhaps U.S. immigration policy not being so radically accepting of others. Uh, But we'll leave that for another podcast. But much more interesting, you know, guitar notwithstanding. I know the traditionalists, they're not going to like the guitar, but at least I could hear the words of the hymns. Yeah. Which I can imagine with real the, if, if that new um, the mass you went to today had guitars, it would be just psychedelic, trippy with that's the acoustics the, of that. That's room. where the guitars should be. That's what they're not getting. <laughs> we got to get the guitars in the fancy buildings yes. and leave the choir for the more humble <laughs> churches. That's exactly right. 
So what are we dealing? Yes. What are we dealing with today here? Speaking of church, so we're dealing with a few things. So speaking of church, tomorrow, uh, when you should be listening to this episode, uh, is Eastern New Year. It's the New Year on the Julian calendar, also referred to as the Old New Year, which I I rather like. (laughs) So, you know, what you're listening to this, it's the New Year, according to the Julian calendar, and you'll start your day listening to Sedevacantism Part 2, and we're, (laughs) you know, going off of what we did last week, and we're finishing up uh, talking about Marcel Lefebvre, again, the godfather of Sedevacantism. And specifically, we're going to get into his formation of the Society of St. Pius X, which is the organization that really birthed a lot of future Sedevacantists and the fallout that they and Lefebvre had with the Catholic Church. Yeah. So let's get into this. So where do we leave off last time? So Lefebvre, he retired from his post as Superior General of the Holy Ghost Fathers. That's not to be confused with the really special, extraordinary, ghost-whispering, respectable adults with tall hats and capes position. I don't know if that's... that's a, that gentleman <laughs> stayed on. He was, you know, he's a careerist. He stayed on. It's, it's, you got to know someone to get that position. He's not giving right, that away. True. It's a lifer. So there were Catholic, you know, while he retires... And he's he's expecting to just retire and just be old and, you know, I don't know, play golf in Florida or something or the French equivalent of that. (laughs) And there were many Catholic traditionalists from the Pontifical French Seminary in Rome who had been refused tonsure Uh, and tonsure. It's the practice of it's when it's that it's the monk haircut. You've seen it. (laughs) The typical monk. Typical monk. If you've seen pictures of Thomas Aquinas is actually my go to visual image or Friar Tuck, you know, from Robin Hood. It's the the practice of cutting or shaving some or all of the hair on the scalp as a sign of religious devotion or humility. So it's yeah, it's like a bowl. It's cut. like the opposite of a bowl cut almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apparently God is very pro ball people, too, because he likes seeing the scalps from above. Yeah, you know, actually, I bet yep. another advantage of tonsure was so that uh, those Catholic priests in the Americas made it harder for Native Americans to scalp them. No top hair to grab and pull, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Actually, they're covered by hats. If you wear a hat, pretty much just cancels out the tonsure, doesn't it? Yeah, it's because it's funny because I think about the yarmulke, for example, yeah. how it's it's either you either cover it more or you get rid of all of it. Those are the only options. And right. I guess if you're a religious priest, I guess it's okay to not have a hat because you're getting the direct. Right. You're right. letting God know you're getting the direct line. <laughs> So that might be part of what's going on. I don't know. Anyway, there were these Catholic traditionalists who the kind of a mainstream French Catholic community weren't really into. They were down with Vatican II. They didn't like these old timey guys. So they were they were pissed because getting tonsure matters because that is the right by which until 1973, a seminarian became a cleric. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like going through school and not getting a bachelor's degree at the right. end because you like Latin a bunch. <laughs> so that's kind of what these guys were faced with. And so they asked Lefebvre for a conservative seminary to complete their studies, and he pointed them to the University of Freiburg in Switzerland. But that's not really what these folks wanted. They wanted Lefebvre him- himself to teach these seminarians. That's really what they wanted. He was, again, a very important kind of conservative, traditionalist Catholic figure. And so they really, they wanted the source. Yeah. They wanted the juice. 
1969, Lefebvre was granted permission by a local bishop to establish a seminary in Freiburg, which opened with nine students, which eventually moved to Econ, Switzerland in 1971. Damn, that's like a giant school. I had a grand total it's of It's the biggest three, school I've ever heard of. Yeah, I had a grand total of three people, including myself and my Christian high school graduating class. That is true. <laughs> that is literally true. Which, uh, what was... How, who is the highest? Who is the valedictorian? Not me, which is really year. embarrassing. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> I was close. I think I missed it by a point or something. You know, that guy. Uh, oh, so you were second at least. Yeah, at least I was second. <laughs> I was a third. Thank God. Yeah, you're not third because the problem with being second in that c- scenario is that you're automatically, you're not in the top 33% right. anymore. <laughs> you just went way down. <laughs> Terribly unfair. I know all sorts of people. I had a giant high school. I think my graduating class was like 800. Oh, wow. That's Give huge. or take. So very different. Nice. Those public schools, man, in Las Vegas, too many kids. Crazy. I don't know about that public school thing. <laughs> Must be nice. Well, you know, sometimes that's what you have to do. <laughs> Lefebvre proposed to his seminarians the establishment of a society. Of uh, extraordinary gentlemen? Just kidding. Sorry. Uh, well, I mean, they, they I mean, are of. extraordinary, and yeah. they like the extraordinary right, so it kind of makes sense. The Society <laughs> of Extraordinary <laughs> Gentlemen, wink, wink. <laughs> but more, it was he had in mind a society of priests without vows. I mean, is there really anything worse than vowless priests, though? Yeah, vowless priests. I mean, they do terrible at uh, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> oh, <laughs> vowless, get it? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> And so in November of 1970, Bishop Francois Charrier of Freiburg established a provisional basis for six years for the International Priestly Society of St. Pius X, SSPX, as a, quote, pious union. Ooh, the best union. Yeah. This was not well-received by the bishops of France. Again, they're more mainstream. They're more down with Vatican II. They don't like all these traditionalists getting in the way of things. And so the bishops of France, they gathered as the plenary assembly of French bishops at Lourdes. They were suspicious of the then legal Econ Seminary and referred to it as, quote, outlaw seminary. Damn, that's another sick burn and probably a good Western. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of cowboy priests. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I think that could work. And the the French bishops, they said that they would not incardinate. That's not to be confused with the term impregnate or incarcerate. Oh, no. Very, very different. Very different. Incardinate. We use that every day in our language. Every day. I'm always, you know, I tell Lewis, I'm not going to (laughs) incardinate you today. I know you're taking your medicine and you're very precious to me, but you just, your, your views on the Catholic religion are just too extreme. You can't become a cardinal. (laughs) <laughs> but no, it's not impregnate or incarcerate. It is incardinate, and the French bishops would not incardinate any of the Econ seminarians. What's a seminarian to do, you know? I don't know, They because they got into this thing so they could, you know, get all the way. That yeah. was their problem, and now yeah. they're just facing another roadblock from these probably, let's, I mean, let's be honest. These French bishops, they're probably Freemasons. Yeah. They're probably dabbling in the black arts and this is what they're up against that's right this is i mean this is what happens when you have to stick to tradition it's just really it's (laughs) it's disgusting frankly so the pope in the the holy see gets involved and the cardinal secretary of state cardinal velo accused lefevre before pope paul the sixth that pope i put in quotes by the way yeah 
quote unquote Pope Paul VI. <laughs> we all know Pope Michael is the real Pope. And he accused him of making his seminarian sign a condemnation of the Pope. Lefebvre vigorously denied this allegation. <laughs> this suddenly reminds me of the Trump Helsinki Putin thing. But, you know. It's... Yeah, it's about the same. Yeah. No, I didn't deny him. I said I wouldn't deny him. See, it's would, wouldn't. You know, it's it's like the opposite then. Then in November of 1974, two Belgian priests performed a rigorous inspection on the instructions of a commission of cardinals. While these bishops were at Econ, they expressed a variety of theological opinions. Some of these included... And I really hope you are all sitting down for this one. Yeah, these are pretty extreme that these two... Uh, these They were supposed to inspect the seminarians. <laughs> and let's. I will let the listeners be the judge if they have the right to do so after you hear the kinds of things they were saying. <laughs> so some of their uh, theological opinions included, quote, the ordination of married men will soon be a normal <sighs> thing, that the Christ. truth changed with the times... And the traditional conception of the resurrection of our Lord were open to discussion and the seminarians and staff objected to these views as scandalous. Wow. Just disgusting. It's disturbing. Married men. Can you believe it? I don't even want to let myself think about that. It's a satanic imagination situation right there. Yeah, you you definitely need a satanic imagination to entertain (laughs) any of these positions. So after the inspection and after hearing these scandalous opinions, Lefebvre wrote a declaration where he heavily attacked the liberal and modernist trends, read Freemason, read Jewish uh, trends he considered as apparent in the reforms being undertaken within the church at that time period. He wrote in the declaration, quote, We adhere with all our heart and all our soul to Catholic Rome, guardian of the Catholic faith and the traditions necessary to maintain it and to eternal Rome, mistress of wisdom and truth. On the other hand, we refuse and have always refused to follow the Rome of the neo-modernist and the new Protestant trend, which was clearly evident in the Second Vatican Council and after the council in all the reforms which flowed from it. Wow, the modernist trend. The neo-modernist The neo-modernist. This is, it's kind of nice because apparently now we're in the throes of postmodernism and apparently that's destroying the world. Um, th- that's what the Jordan Peterson podcast keep telling me. So Lefebvre really had it, he had it easy. He just had to deal with the neo-modernist, which I think is between <laughs> modernism and postmodernism. So really, I, I, it's hard for me to be really sympathetic just because yeah. he couldn't, he didn't have, we, we're in the real crisis mode right now. We have a postmodern church i imagine it's not even novus ordo anymore it's post novus ordo who knows what's going on there why even bring up protestant I, trend too like protestant trend it's like obvious like come on like that's a whole different thing this it, it's obvious but this is something it's a go-to insult for yeah, catholics right. to just say oh you're really just a protestant it's, it's funny how <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear that from the other side because i grew up protestant i remember being like what are you a catholic yeah exactly they're just throwing those around as insults but the SSPX actually, they wrote a book about sedevacantism and they called them like devious Lutherans or something. <laughs> and this is, you know, we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, this is a very common, everyone throws that around as an insult. So in reply to this declaration that Lefebvre wrote, the Commission of Cardinals declared that the declaration was, quote, unacceptable on all points. <laughs> all the points. Not one point in which it's acceptable. Man. 
In January of 1975, Monsignor Pierre Mami, the new Bishop of Freiburg, stated he wished to withdraw the SSPX's pious union status. On February 13th of that same year, Lefebvre was invited to Rome for a meeting with the Commission of Cardinals. He described this commission as, quote, a close cross-examination of the judicial type. They wanted to address the contents of his declaration. He met again with them on March 3rd. In May, the commission issued a notification that it granted approval to the Monsignor Mami to carry out his intentions to withdraw the Society of St. Pius X's pious union status. Lefebvre argued that according to Canon 493 of the 1917 Code of Canon Law... Which, of course, we're naturally all familiar with, so you can just... We've, I mean, I know all of our listeners are Canon lawyers, Oh yeah. so I know this is just inside baseball to them. Yep. But according to Lefebvre, only the Pope, which he interpreted to mean a direct decree from the Pope, not a mere retroactive approbation, could suppress a religious congregation. (laughs) Well, really, I mean, the real question here, Dylan, is why hasn't this been made into a blockbuster movie? This is oh, some man. exciting shit. I mean, maybe this could be the first action movie we produce as a podcast. Let's do it. I like how, yeah, we could be video producers. Yeah. I think our skills in the podcast <laughs> realm definitely will transfer over. And yeah, I mean, this is just high drama. Yep. Throw some teal yeah, orange I mean, on it. We're good. Yeah. Forget the Da Vinci Codes and the <laughs> Angels and Demons. This is the Catholic drama we've been waiting to see. <laughs> So on May 6, 1975, Bishop Pierre Mami put his intention into effect by officially dissolving the society. This action was subsequently upheld by Pope Paul VI. He wrote to Lefebvre in June of 1975, telling him of his decision. But Lefebvre, we know, outlaw seminarian, we know he's a bit a punk rock priest. (laughs) He continued his work regardless because having taken legal advice from competent canon lawyers who advised him that despite the letter from Pope Paul VI dated 29th of June, 1975, the entire legal process taken against the fraternity had been so irregular that it could not be considered as having been legally suppressed. The archbishop was further advised that as the Vatican had permitted priests to be incarnated, again that word, directly into the fraternity on three separate occasions, it could be considered that the privilege of incarnating priests directly into the fraternity now existed. Uh, Boom. Wow. Always have competent canon lawyers around you. You never know when you're going to need to argue your case to the Holy See. It's always good to have that in your back pocket. (laughs) Have one on retainer, people. You don't want a last-minute excommunication to really blow up your afterlife. (laughs) So Lefebvre also argued that there were insufficient grounds for suppression as the apostolic visitors, by the commission's own admission, delivered a positive report, and that since his declaration had not been condemned by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, uh, which is, this is we've called the Holy Office in the previous episode. It was, it used to be known by a different name, the Inquisition. Oh, those are the good old days. Yeah, the good old days. They're still around. They're a little bit more relaxed yeah. than they were in uh, good old Spain. He appealed twice to the appellate court of the church, the apostolic signatura. Cardinal Velo blocked the move, reportedly threatening the prefect of the apostolic signatura, Cardinal Staffa, with dismissal if the appeals were not struck down. So basically just like a bloodbath. Sorry, we should have forewarned people this would get brutal. This is, we need to start Yeah, this is warnings. a blood, I mean, this is really, <laughs> we should have had a warning, graphic content. We might have to change our, to say this is explicit, this is explicit 
graphic content and we apologize <laughs> beforehand. So in May of 1977, Mami warned Marcel Lefebvre that saying a mass in the Tridentine Rite, which is the old Latin rite, could be a break with Orthodox Catholicism. In the consistatory of May 24th, 1976, Pope Paul VI criticized Archbishop Lefebvre by name and appealed to him and his followers to change their minds. And it should be noted that this was the first time in 200 years that a pope had criticized a bishop by name. Damn. So again, big deal. Pope Paul VI laying it down. Yeah, he's a he's an outlaw, you know? Sumerian outlaw. He's an anti-punk rocker. He's No, I'm sorry. He's a reverse punk rocker. It's better. Yeah, rever- I think that's more accurate. Again, the horseshoe yeah. theory of punk rock. Right. You go so far, <laughs> you get so Catholic that you're a renegade once again. <laughs> On June 29th, 1976, Lefebvre went ahead with planned priestly ordinations despite not having the approval of the local bishop and despite receiving letters from Rome forbidding them. God, this guy just, wow. he just knocks it out of the park every time. <laughs> and because of this, Lefebvre was suspended and forbidden to ordain any priests. Oh, man. That's the I worst. I like how, for a so priest. he ordains, he's like, I'm going to ordain priests. I know, so one, I don't have the local bishop's approval. Rome, the Holy See is bandit, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then the, what was his punishment? He was forbidden from ordaining any priests. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> That's obviously not something he really cares about. Because <laughs> again, renegade, outlaw. A week later, the prefect of the Congregation for Bishops informed him that to have his situation regularized, he needed to ask the Pope's pardon. Lefebvre responded with a letter claiming that the modernization of the church was a, quote, compromise with the ideas of modern man, originating in a secret agreement between high dignitaries in the church and who? Senior Freemasons prior to the council. Oh, man. Freemasons really are. They are all stars in the conspiracy community, you know, just below the Illuminati. But can't hold a candle to the Jews. No, Jews can't hold a candle. Very sadly involved in every conspiracy theory. Sadly, they're not. Yes. They're just <laughs> human beings. <laughs> and so were the Freemasons. Uh the Illuminati, I don't know. I don't think the Illuminati no, exists. I'm pretty sure they're lizards, but Oh yeah. So yeah, the Illuminati. Yeah. I mean, sorry, yeah, Freemasons. They're definitely yeah. not humans. That's true. <laughs> Lefebvre was then notified that due to him not apologizing to the Pope, because you know he's not going to do that, no. he would be suspended and could no longer legally administer any of the sacraments. So he had to take his case to the extremely religious people's court. Ooh. But it's Judge Judas, not Judge Judy. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Probably in his eyes, in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I also think, I don't think it would be extremely religious. I think it would be extraordinary religious people's yes. court. And it's all in Latin, and you can't really follow along, and it's kind of boring. Great television. But yeah. Judge Judas. Man. <laughs> Lefebvre remarked that he had been forbidden from celebrating the new rite of mass. Pope Paul VI apparently took this seriously and stated that Lefebvre thought he dodged the penalty by administering the sacraments using the previous formulas. So this was... He was he found a loophole, he thought. He was like, oh yeah, I won't do the new one. I haven't been doing that for decades. And the Paul was like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about all of it. You can't do any of it. In spite of his suspension, Lefebvre continued to pray Mass and to administer the other sacraments, including the conferral of holy orders to the students of his seminary. Because of course, I mean he's just he's been ignoring the Holy See for so long, he's just gonna keep doing it. Why would he stop now? Right. It's an addiction at this point, really. 
the ordaining. He, yeah, you know, it is. He just he can't he help, help himself. It's having a negative impact on his life. He just can't stop. <laughs> and, you know, we really we should have sympathy for him. And I, I think we should have a moment of silence. OK. All right. Anyway, so, you know, again, Lefebvre just doing his thing. Pope Paul VI met with him on September 11th, 1976. Oh, the first big 9-11. The first big 9-11. That's just, I think it's just the Freemasons like that date. Yeah, that's what it is. It just seems all the <laughs> Freemason stuff is just happening on 9-11 and just, <laughs> this is just another, just more evidence. We're just adding evidence to the pile as we speak. And then Pope Paul II met with him 60 days after his 1978 election win. They were still unable to reach any sort of agreement. You know, I think he may have had PDS, which is what I call Pope Derangement Syndrome. I, oh, certainly. Yeah, no one yeah. else calls it that, but I do. You do, and so do I now. Yes. This, that's the official stance <laughs> on this. And so this is all really, so he's getting reprimanded. He's just, you know, being an outlaw, doing his own thing. Then the Acone consecrations happen, and this is when he gets into some real trouble. And I think Brent has more on that particular episode in this high drama. <laughs> So chapter two, this is after the intermission. Hope you guys use the restroom and you're ready. So at the age of 81, Lefebvre, experiencing failing health, announced his plan to consecrate a bishop to carry on his work after his death. This was controversial since, according to Catholic canon law, which we're all familiar with, a bishop's consecration requires the permission of the pope. But, you know, wait, wait, like after his death, wasn't Lefebvre a holy ghost father? Uh, just keep doing this weird shit as a ghost. Duh. It's like writing this job, job description, you know? It's like, come on. Yeah, but he resigned from the Holy Ghost Fathers. Yeah. And when you do that, you resign from being a ghost. a ghost. That's true. That's a good point. So on May 5th, 1988, Lefebvre signed an agreement with Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict XVI. And we have to admit, that is a big, that's a big name upgrade, right? Yeah, I would I mean, say so. Ratzinger <laughs> to Benedict the Sixteenth, yeah. way better. Way better name. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling him Ratzinger. Ratzinger at this time was a prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith to regular, uh, regularize the situation of the SSPX. Ratzinger agreed that one bishop and again, would be consecrated. again, that's also the- known as the Holy Office, also known as the Inquisition yes. back in the day. <laughs> A.K.A. Inquisition. Ratzinger agreed that one bishop would be consecrated for the society. So not long after Lefebvre announced that he'd received a note from Cardinal Ratzinger in which it said he, quote, was able to beg pardon for his errors, he decided to consecrate a successor without papal approval. This was dubbed Operation Survival. And also the worst uh, Mr. Impossible movie yet, too. But that's just... (laughs) (laughs) That one went straight to DVD. I mean, Laserdisc. So (laughs) the note... (laughs) So the note says, quote, that is why taking into account the strong will of the present Roman authorities to reduce tradition to naught, to gather the world to the spirit of Vatican II and the spirit of Assisi, we have preferred to withdraw ourselves and to say that we could not continue. It was not possible. We would have evidently been under the authority of Cardinal Ratzinger, president of the Roman Commission, which would have directed us. We were putting ourselves into his hands and consequently putting ourselves into the hands of those who wished to draw us into the spirit of the council and the spirit of Assisi. This was simply not possible. Not possible. And who is the quote-unquote Pope now? Pope Francis? (laughs) Named after 
who Francis of Assisi. It's just it's it's yep. right at the head of the snake now. Yes, we're, it's all coming together. The Pope appealed to Lefebvre not to proceed in a quote schismatic act, warning of quote theological and canonical consequences. So that's not good. Ooh, a schism. That's that's a bad word. Yeah. Up until then, Lefebvre's just been a pain in the ass. <laughs> But this is schism, (laughs) and schisms are not good. (laughs) So on the 30th of June, 1988, Archbishop Lefebvre, with Bishop Emeritus Antonio de Castro Meyer of Campos, Brazil, as co-consecrator, consecrated four SXPX priests as bishops. Here we go. These names... All right, let me stretch. We're going to get it on the first try because Brent is an expert at pronouncing (laughs) names. And no, we didn't look these up in advance. <laughs> Bernard Tessier de Malier, Richard Williamson. Oh, that one was easy. Um, Alfonso de Galaretta and Bernard Fillet. Eh. Hey, I think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. So this is part of the sermon that Lefebvre gave right before the consecrations. So here's the quote. This ceremony, which is apparently done against the will of Rome, is in no way a schism. We are not schismatics. If an excommunication was pronounced against the bishops of China, who separated themselves from Rome and put themselves under the Chinese government, one very easily understands why Pope Pius XII excommunicated them. There is no question of us separating ourselves from Rome, nor of putting ourselves under a foreign government, nor of establishing a sort of parallel church as the bishops of Palmar de Troya have done in Spain. They have even elected a pope formed a college of cardinals. It is out of the question for us to do such things. Far from us be this miserable thought to separate ourselves from Rome. I really like how they just threw the Chinese bishops under the the bus. They're like, dude, dude. (laughs) We're not like those Chinese bishops. We're not like these (laughs) Spanish bishops. We're French. It's like, you know, get on that declaration. Let's start one ourselves. Yeah. So on the very next day, the Congregation for Bishops issued a decree stating that this was a schismatic act, and they said that all six people directly involved had incurred automatic excommunication. Man, automatic. Automatic excommunication. Just like think think setting up automatic payments on your utility bills. You know, it's a really good thing to sign up for automatic excommunication too. Those late fees can be a bitch. So yeah, but I don't get why they have to announce it. Because an automatic excommunication, what I've what I've learned is that it it just means you no one has to say anything, right? No hassle. Just it's like it's like how murder murder is automatically illegal. <laughs> no one has to say, "Oh, yep, that's illegal. You can't do that." It's just automatically you yeah. do it, and it's automatically bad. So it's kind of fun that they had to really they had to really hit. Yeah, that it's is explicitly true. automatic. Pain. It's like when it's like when your utility company sends you that email. <laughs> that they're automatically that's what the congregation of bishops is doing yes that's true they're just letting them know hey you know your bill is due in a few days and you'll be excommunicated <laughs> fyi so there was a fallout and i think dylan's gonna talk yeah, about the fallout there was a bit yeah there was a bit of a fallout for these <laughs> automatic excommunications that they had to address so what did pope john paul ii think of all this you guessed it he condemned the consecration in his apostolic letter, Ecclesia Day. And Brent reminded me that, quote unquote, Pope John Paul II. I hope you're all <laughs> just reading pope. that. 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll be very clear when we're actually talking about a pope. I just, you know, we'll we'll really flag that for you. So John Paul II stated that the consecration constituted a schismatic act and that by virtue of Canon 1382. Oh, God, that's such a good year. Good year. I'm just kidding. They say that 1382 is going to be a good year. I think that's how that, that song goes. But so it's Canon 1382 of the Code of Canon Law. The bishops and priests involved were automatically excommunicated. I mean, it's just your standard auto excom. Uh, it's also, you know, I've heard the term schism thrown around so much. It's like I've got the song, the, the tool song in my head. <laughs> I know the pieces. All right. Yeah, that song was about this, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think it was. was about Lefebvre and how they were really into it. Yeah. yeah it's not the Fibonacci That's sequence. It's about this. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. So how did Lefebvre counter this? What's going to be his move? He's been pretty strong so far, so he declared. Notice lots of declaring going on. Also reminded me of a Russian investigation episodes. Lots of declaring. You've got to declare it or it's not real. (laughs) So he declared that he and the other clerics involved did not, quote, separate themselves from Rome and were thus no not schismatics. Yes. Which, again, is a really good band name. Also sounds (laughs) vaguely offensive. I don't know why. I mean, I, I get why if you're catholic but even outside like i i think if someone called me a schismatic i would be offended even yeah. though i don't know why um <laughs> he saw pope john paul ii's canon 1382 and raised him a canon 1323 <laughs> of the 1983 code of canon law again i know all our listeners are canon lawyers and this is all just refresher for them but the 1983 code of canon law said that they, quote, found themselves in a case of necessity, not having succeeded, as they said, in making Rome, quote unquote, understand that this change has occurred in the church since the Second Vatican Council was, quote, not Catholic. (laughs) Really dipping the... Yeah, almost Protestant, dipping our toe into the set of Acontis waters. I gotta say, he's really... We can see why he's so important to these folks. Lefebvre wrote in a letter addressed to the four priests he was about to consecrate as bishops, quote, I do not think one can say that Rome has not lost the faith. Damn right, son. Oh, yeah. I I also like all these double negatives. I do not think one can say that Rome has not lost the faith. I really like he's really hedging his bets here. He's, again, he's just dipping his toe. He's not, you know, jumping yeah, in right now. Right. And then on July 18th, 12 priests and some seminarians, led by Father Joseph Besiege, departed ways with the SSPX due to the Akon consecrations. So we can see how SSPX and Lefebvre kind of towards the end, again, dip their toe into those Sedevacantus waters, those cool, clean, completely true waters. But... Actually, right now, you know, we're going to really kind of get into the Sede Vacantis stuff more deeply. And there's a bit of a split. So the SSPXers are not Sede Vacantis. So let's, you know, I think Brent has more about kind of the differences and how they fought over the, you know, the so, ensuing yeah, so years. So as Dylan said, currently there's a bit of a divide between Sede Vacantis and SSPXers. Um, so one, one sick burn I was reading that uh, SSPXers call Sede Vacantis quote, diabolical crypto-Lutherans, which is, of course, <laughs> seriously fucked up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is, man. <laughs> it's just too much. I'll be damned you're going to call me a crypto-Lutheran. 
Oh, fuck. Um, so set of a contest, Reverend Anthony Cicada. So he has a vi- he has some videos on YouTube. Um, he's a set of a contest priest, and so he's got a few things discussing some of these issues. So he breaks this all down here. So the R and R. This camp, is the guy that yeah, we've ahead. referred to as uh, Reverend C- Cicada, I believe, in previous yeah, episodes. Because <laughs> I I generally I genuinely did not know how to pronounce his name, and I thought it was funny to call him that. But it's Cicada. Cicada. Very Cicada. different. So he, we have the R&R camp versus the set of a contest. So the R&R camp is what they say recognize and resist. So unlike the set of a contest, the R&R camp recognize the post-Vatican II popes as true popes. But you are allowed to resist the Pope's teachings and rights and laws and commands. So, you know, little loophole. So there they're, they're sellouts, basically. Yeah, basically sellouts. Yeah, they're just not So Sandy McContis are real punk rock and SSPX. Right. They're like pop punk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like Blink-182 like or something. Kind of like MXPX. So it's all yes, really coming kind of together. like MXPX, exactly. <laughs> It's all coming back together. Uh, in the past few years, the SSPX released through the, its U.S. seminary publications arm, uh, bankrolled a blue, book-length attack on set of a contest. Now, this is written by John Salza and Robert Sisko. Yeah, I'm waiting to get my copy in the mail. Nice. And we'll, de- and we'll definitely be talking about this in later episodes. That's going to be a good one. So some juicy attacks from the book are as follows. We'll give you guys a little bit of a taste. Um, here's, here's some from the book here. Quote, set of Acontism is founded upon the same root error as Protestantism. I think I added a syllable there, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> namely, <laughs> uh, namely, private judgment, which inevitably ends in division. Anything but Catholic. It's poisonous and leads to heresy. Sedevacantists themselves have lost faith in the church, are like unbelieving Jews who are enemies Ugh. of Christ and have produced the pernicious fruit of a sect. I think there's a typo there, actually. I think it's unbelieving reptilian aliens, guys. Come on. Yeah, that's you a know. lot. Let's, can we never, if you think some group is bad, just can we stop? Can we stop? Please. For once. It's 2018. Yeah. Let's just leave them out of it. <laughs> just give them a break. Give them, give them a break. They deserve a break, for God's yes. sakes. They've been through enough. All right. So Reverend Anthony Cicada, sorry, Cicada points out <laughs> that it was set of a contest, Lefebvre, who founded the SSPX, and it's dumb as shit to call, he didn't say that, but I'm saying dumb as shit to come out in support of this disgusting literature. So, you know, he's going to lay down a smackdown on these idiots, and I'm going to quote here to end this. So here's the quote. It is pure idiocy for SSPX priests to endorse Salza and Cisco's 700 pages of anti-Sedevacontist hyperventilations. If you want to call Sedevacontist like me an enemy of Christ, you better call your founder one too. Where do you think we got the idea in the first place? Bitch. I added the bitch, but bitch. I I think, yeah, I think you added that last part for dramatic effect, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) I added the bitch in all caps. Yeah, that's but you know, I mean, in the actual quote, yeah, he it's very catty. These people are very back and forth. It's fun to watch, and I can't wait to get that. So, you got got the book in the mail coming that that's yeah, uh, it's coming, and I definitely will read all 700 pages of it. And by read all of it, I will skim it nice for some choice little dumplings of truth. I would like to check that out from the local library. Yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm adding it. My set of a contest library is just building as we speak. (laughs) This is, I mean, a really common thing, 
I think in general, there's a fight over Lefebvre's legacy. Yeah. You know, is he a sedevacantist? Is he just this R&R crowd? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see this kind of thing all the time. I mean, you see it in in philosophy. I, th- I imagine in most disciplines, there are these figures in which there are divisions and they try to kind of capture these people for themselves. Right. And so Lefebvre, Same. again, yeah. he's... This is why we call him the godfather of Sadevacantism, yeah. even if in in some of the quotes, you know, we, I think, said in the previous section, it certainly sounds like he's going in that direction right before he passed away. Yeah. You know, that's that's it really for Lefebvre and the SSPX. And we've got the genuine Sadevacantus coming starting next episode. So, Brent. Yes. What did you learn on this episode, what really struck you as most interesting? Well, in researching for it, I remember, or I, you know, did the uh, Cicada videos. I watched a lot of his videos, um, and I really enjoyed his breakdown of why this book, these guys, this, um, you know, the 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 Salzas and the Ciscos are ridiculous and seven hundred pages. So I can't wait for you to dig into that one. Um, yeah, seven hundred oh, pages. I'm excited. <laughs> Of hyperventilations. I mean, you're going to be reading hyperventilations. <laughs> Hope you know. <laughs> that's like that's all it is. That's on you the have page. to read. Like, what? It's like, okay, he's spot on. Um, yeah, you just you open it and it's just a tape and you got to play the tape and it's just that. For It's like one of those kids' books that you open up. It's like, oh. Yeah, so that was interesting in reading about it, the newer stuff, um, the newer priests talking about it. Um, I do enjoy the. The cone consecrations always a good time. I don't know. What about yourself? What 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 uh, what did you enjoy most about this one? You know, I definitely you know looking at the uh, the book and some of those uh, cicada videos myself. I just I enjoy that there's finally a a book kind of from a traditional Catholic perspective, mm-hmm. very explicitly arguing against sedevacantism, and I'm really I'm actually kind of excited to read it. Yeah, because I think in general I think sometimes a very common idea about other other views like outside of religion i mean climate change is a good example or evolution or what have you there's a common view that it should be ignored and that we shouldn't give it a platform and i think that's mostly true is my guess but i think there also has to be somebody saying hey this is why it's wrong at the end of the day i think there has to be some kind of sources like this that are easy for people to digest. So I think just that, that it took so long for that to come out really mm-hmm. is, is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, digging into the infighting. Yeah. And I just enjoy all the, you know, Lefebvre just not, not caring at all. <laughs> what the, what the Pope or the Vatican has to say and just him doing his own thing. He's really, that he really was like the Trump of the Catholic church. Just didn't, <laughs> yeah, just in a way, didn't, yeah. <laughs> just didn't follow any of the norms at all. Yeah. And just, you know, schism and all over the place schism? just really but i i mean if you think if you think he's extreme you're gonna have to wait because we are getting into the deep dark <laughs> sedivacantus just the the nugget of the truth and it's gonna be glorious and so that's it for this episode Woo-hoo. you can find out news from us on our website none dare call it ordinary.com i've now got There's like a little kind of short bulletin board there so you can see the kind of next things we're doing. And I'm also making it official that Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern are going to be kind of live stream editing so I can, you know, communicate with any of our listeners if they have questions about the episode or if they even just want to hear parts of the episode in advance. You can do it then, you know, ask me questions. Brent is often there, so you might be able to hear from him as well. And also now officially on our website, we have a source page 
And so you can, if you go to nondarecalledordinary.com, you'll be able to find sources for all of our, our episodes, SETI Vacantism forward. I might kind of go back and add source pages for previous episodes. I haven't gotten there yet. So it's just kind of from now on, you'll be able to find those on our website. Again, that's nondarecalledordinary.com. And you can also communicate with us via email. So if we got something right or got something really wrong, maybe we're the Protestants, you know, (laughs) maybe we're the Freemasons of this podcast. (laughs) And you can always let us know and send us an email at nundarecalledordinary at gmail.com. And with that, we We are... are. (gasps) 